Hey, it's Scott Petrak. Welcome back to another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. A lot's happened since the last edition of the show. The Browns beat Jacksonville and practiced once against the New York Giants here in Berea. Here to break it all down with me is Dave Chodowski of the WKYC Morning News, fresh off a of vacation and a tree down in his yard. Dave, how are you? Yeah, when you said a lot happening with the Browns, I thought you meant a lot happening with me. You were going to introduce, uh, you know, my, my life these past two weeks. You're right about that. Boy, I'll tell you, yeah. It was nice to get away on vacation. While on vacation, the neighbors start texting and calling, and uh, our huge oak tree in our front yard just went down, man. Uh, the storm just wiped it out, and uh, it has been an adventure. Never experienced anything like that. Luckily, our house didn't get crushed. But, uh, yeah, tree down. Um, not a lot of fun. It's been an interesting uh, last couple of weeks, but uh, good to be back on with you. It's, it's uh, been a couple of weeks. It has. It has. And, and like I said, a lot's gone on. We had the opener against Jacksonville. I thought the Browns looked good overall. Um, obviously, didn't play, you know, most of the starters, but Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, the rookie linebacker out of Notre Dame, looked really good. Uh, I thought Greg Newsom, the corner out of Northwestern, looked good. Demetric Felton, the rookie out of UCLA, who they played at receiver, um, showed up. Now he's probably going to play at running back um, on Sunday against the Giants. So there were some noteworthy performances, especially from the young guys, which is what you're looking for when, you know, most of the key starters sit. Um, and then we have the Giants in town for two practices before the preseason game on Sunday. So we're taping this Friday morning. Uh, got to watch it Thursday. And we can delve into this a little bit, Dave, because it's a different intensity level when there's joint practices and when another team either comes into your place or, you know, the Browns have traveled. They went to Tampa a few years ago. They went to Indianapolis two years back. Um, The intensity is different. And there's plenty to watch on Thursday. You know, there are a bunch of highlights. Before we get to that, you know, we'll hit the news real quick. I wake up to a text this morning saying Jacob Phillips, the second-year linebacker, tore his biceps on Thursday. And the Browns aren't saying he's done for the year. There's a hope that he can make it back toward the end of the 17-game regular season. In order to do that, they'll have to keep him on the active roster to start the, you know, when the cuts come August 31st. And then you can put him on IR. Um, But it's a blow because I don't know if Jacob Phillips would have started this season, you know, you have Mac Wilson on the weak side, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa on the weak side. You have Anthony Walker Jr. in the middle, and Sione Taki Taki at strong side. But Phillips was a guy that could play all three spots. Um, he'd served as the backup starter when Walker got hurt, was working as the starting weak side guy with Mac Wilson out of team drills this week because he has a shoulder sprain. So, you know, when you draft a guy in the third round, there's high expectations. You expect the guy to take a jump in year two. His rookie season was a little bit derailed by a knee injury in week one. He still wound up playing nine games, but dealt with the knee injury for at least the first half of last season. So he was going to be a key contributor and maybe the first guy off the bench at all three spots. So to lose him for an extended period is a blow. And with Tony Fields a second, the rookie out of West Virginia, he hasn't practiced off camp because of a foot injury. Mac Wilson, like I said, is dealing with the shoulder and not in team drills this week. Taki Taki left practice Thursday 
with a hamstring injury. All of a sudden, the Browns are really shorthanded at linebacker. And they might have enough guys, like, if Taki Taki comes back to say, okay, we can start the season with this group of guys they have, including Elijah Lee. But in order to get through the last two preseason games, they might have to bring in a guy or two. Well, you had mentioned it last time we talked, and I had mentioned um, the concern of if Baker doesn't have a big year, would that derail the Browns? And you, and you quickly responded, injuries is what your concern is. That's what could take this team down. And you're, you're starting to see some of that right now. And you're absolutely right. That is the big concern with, with the Browns is that injuries could derail them. And that's a position, Scott, would you say linebacker? You know, I don't, we wouldn't necessarily say that's the strength of the team. No, you would not. And, and it's an interesting position, Chud, because last year I thought it was a weakness. And then this offseason, the Browns made a ton of moves. They re-signed Malcolm Smith, the 32-year-old veteran who had a really strong season a year ago, especially in pass coverage. They drafted JOK in the second round. They drafted Fields in the fifth round. So, you know, those are three guys that you expect to come in or expect to have, you know, big roles. And they signed, I almost forgot, they signed Anthony Walker Jr. to play middle linebacker, right? So Walker, JOK, um, Tony Fields, like, those are three guys you think, okay, these guys are going to have roles. Now, Fields is such a mystery because he hasn't practiced nearly at all since he got drafted because of a foot. He had both, he's injured both feet. Um, one first was one and now the other one in, in right to start a training camp. So we haven't seen him at all. Um, but the point is, as part of the whole defensive makeover that happened this offseason, linebacker was a focus of that. So – you know, it, it was supposed to be much improved. Obviously, it's a key piece of your defense. But when you start to lose guys, right, Jacob Phillips was expected to take a big step in year two and assume a greater role. Um, now that's not going to happen. Right, Fields, you figured, okay, he's a fifth-round pick. He probably makes the roster. Probably, you know, plays on special teams. Maybe plays a little in your nickel package. Um, now you wonder, does he even have a roster spot? Does he spend the whole season – on IR, he's finally back on the field doing work on the side, stationary bike, that kind of thing. Um, but we've not seen him in one rep at all, right? Mac Wilson, the shoulder injury, he's participating in individual drills in seven-on-sevens, so you expect him to be okay, but it's still a shoulder that still has to, you know, you have to deal with contact when that comes up. And, you know, JOK is a young guy. So I think there's a lot of moving pieces at that spot, and, you know, I think Anthony Walker solidifies things in the middle there with his veteran presence. He dodged an injury a couple of weeks ago, and it turned out well that he was able to come back from it and it seems fine. Um, but, yeah, I think there's some question marks still at linebacker. JOK playing well against the Jaguars helps a lot. I think it makes everyone feel better. That was the assumption, but he missed the beginning of camp on the COVID list. Um, but you talk big picture. Can we talk more about that? Can we talk more about that real quick, uh, JOK, and what your personal thoughts are? Because everyone, yeah. you know, he he was the guy that that definitely stood out in that game. Was he everything that you kind of thought he could bring? Should yeah. we not get too excited because it's you know just the Jags in a preseason game? Where, no, where, I, where should we be? Yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it's fair to be excited. 
I know the Browns are pumping the brakes a little bit, right? With even with Mac Wilson not being in team drills this week, it was Jacob Phillips who got the reps with the starters and not JOK. Yesterday was the first time we saw JOK with the starters at all in camp. And Kevin Stefanski was quick to point out that that was because they were down guys. And it wasn't necessarily because JOK had impressed so much in the Jaguars game. Not that he didn't impress, but it's not like they gave him a promotion after one preseason game. Having said all that, obviously it was incredibly encouraging. It was the type of player that you expected with the second round pick. The Browns wanted this guy. They traded up to get him. And then everything they said about when they said about him when they drafted him showed up against the Jaguars. And yes, it's against the backups of the Jaguars and the preseason opener, and they're the Jaguars. But that doesn't remove the fact that he was all over the field, made eight tackles, three tackles for loss, had a sack on a blitz. And we need to talk about him as a blitzer because I didn't feel like last year in Joe Woods defense, um, I don't remember the linebackers making a whole lot of player plays blitzing. And that's something not only did JOK do it against the Jaguars, I've seen him do that a bunch in practice. And that was the first way he showed up to me during camp was as a blitzer. And if you add that element to your defense, I asked Anthony Walker about that this week. What a difference it makes having a linebacker in safety in that same role, too. If you get a safety that you really like as a blitzer, um, it just adds an element that really frustrates an offense because then you can't let the back get out and pass in, in, on a pass route, right? You know, the backs stay in and usually they go out on that swing route right away. If you are worried about a linebacker coming up the middle on a blitz, that running back has to stay home. And it gives the quarterback one less, op- one less option in the pass game. It forces that running back to do a good job in blitz pickup, which is probably the hardest thing that running backs have to do. So I really like that about his game. And then we saw a screen pass that, number one, he diagnosed. Number two, he shed the blocker, and then he makes a tackle for loss. So I think it was incredibly encouraging. To me now, it's just a question of, does he find his way into a starting spot week one? Or does Mac Wilson stay ahead of him? And then, then you see JOK kind of in that nickel role or slowly brought along. But to me, it's only a matter of time before he's on the field, if not every snap, for the majority of the snaps. So we're kind of mixing and matching linebacker talk with injury talk. And yeah. how concerned are you about Delpit? Because that, that's making headlines here. With uh, He's got the hamstring now, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because – you know, when we talk about injuries, there's only been two really significant ones to this point in camp. And it's tight end Steven Carlson went on IR with the knee injury, but he's your fourth tight end, right? You can't, it's tough to get too worked yeah. up about the fourth tight end. And then Jacob Phillips. And, you know, like we talked about, Phillips was going to have a key role this year, but probably wasn't a starter. Um, so, you know, it's a loss, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. But when, it start, when you start to see the injuries pile up is one thing. And when you start to see them happen to key players, it's another. In Delpit, you know, the, high, the hopes were so high for him when the Browns drafted him in the second round out of LSU a year ago. Then he ruptures his Achilles tendon, misses all of his rookie season, fights through that, is coming back, he's on the practice field, and all of a sudden he not disappears, but all of a sudden 
he has to go to the side for two weeks with a hamstring injury. So that's a big setback, right? It's a guy that needs practice reps. It's a guy that needs preseason reps. There wasn't a preseason last year, and he would have been hurt right about the time the preseason would have started. So we talked to one of the coaches. He'd only had nine team reps in all of training camp until he returned Tuesday for practice, and then he gets hurt Wednesday, aggravates the hamstring. You know, he's in coverage, and you can see him pull up with the aggravation of that hamstring, which means he's going to miss more time, right? I don't know if that's a week. I don't know if it's, you know, two weeks. Does he miss the whole preseason? And therefore, even if he's healthy, you go into week one and he's never seen a a preseason snap, which is not ideal, or a regular season snap, right, heading into year two. So, you know, he'll be back at some point. It's only a, quote-unquote, only a hamstring injury. But he's going to play a key role. And you need those reps. And we've talked about it on this pod, Chug. Coordinator Joe Woods wants to use the dime package a lot. And the dime package is three safeties, three corners. And you have John Johnson the third at safety. You have Ronnie Harrison Jr. at safety. Grant Delpit's that third guy. And he was fighting with Ronnie Harrison to be that second guy. And if he's not ready for that role, it's going to handcuff what Joe Woods can do. Now, we have three weeks before the opener. Hopefully, Delpit gets back and gets enough time on task and at least can focus on maybe just his role in that dime package to start the season. And you can ease him in because you have Harrison to be the other starter. Um, but to me, that's the – I mean, obviously, Phillips is bad. But Delpit's the one guy that I keep saying his injury is affecting what they might be able to do on defense. I'm just hoping that it doesn't turn out to be the case where we're always saying, well, what could have been with Delpit? You know, I hope it's not that guy that we're we're always counting our, you know, counting our chickens for the eggs hatch. Right. I mean, we we haven't, we we haven't experienced what he can be yet. No, well, no, you haven't because it just hasn't been on the field. But, and while I understand that sentiment and I know that fans think that way and I understand it because it goes through, your head too, in my head, right? Oh my gosh, what if this guy's injury prone? What, what if it's this? The fact is, an Achilles is a one-off, right? I, I don't think that means he's injury prone. And yes, if a guy has recurring hamstrings every year, that's concerning. But in his Browns history, he's had one hamstring injury and aggravated it. It's not like there's a big track record of soft tissue in- injuries with Grant Delpit. He's just getting his injuries before he can get on the field, which is troublesome, but I'm not sure it's an indicator of his long-term future. And I would always, I would also say that, you know, you have this Achilles, you don't play for a whole year. You spend all this time rehabbing. When you get back on a football field and it's high intensity of training camp, I, I think it's natural for other things to crop up. And the hope is that they crop up, you deal with them, you kind of work through that transition and then you get back to being the player you were. So I think it's premature to get down on Delpit, but when you're talking about impact week one and early in the season, the clock is definitely ticking. Scott, before we dive into yesterday's practice and today's practice with the Giants, what are we looking at starter wise against the Giants? Are we going to see any of the, the main guys out there? 
I don't think so, Sean. I, I think for two reasons. Number one, when you practice against a team for two days, like they're against the Giants, it, it feels like you're almost pushing it then to put your starters out there a third time in four days. You know, I mean, I, I and we'll talk about the lack of fighting, but, you know, animosity builds up, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. Like, it just feels like if you don't have to put your best guys out there and risk them a third time in four days, don't do it. And, and the second thing is, I just think the Browns are taking a cautious approach in general. And to me, it makes sense. The goal is to get to, I mean, we just spent all this time talking about injuries. The goal is to get to week one healthy, right? And the goal is to be as healthy as you can for all 17 games and for a playoff run. And, you know, getting Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett, you know, 15 reps on August 22nd against the Giants. I, I, I just don't see a whole lot of benefit from that. And I don't think the Browns as an organization see a whole lot of benefit from that. So Kevin Stefanski hasn't said for sure that what the starters will do this week. I'd be stunned if they played. And I, I would even be surprised if they played in the preseason finale against Atlanta. Um, I think you'll continue to see the young guys, um, you know, first and second year guys, guys coming off injury like Chris Hubbard and Greedy Williams. I think you'll see those guys. But I don't think you'll see – I personally don't think you'll see Baker Mayfield in, in, and the starting offensive line and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb. I just don't think you're going to see those guys in the preseason. Now, I could be wrong, and they could play a quarter against Atlanta, but I don't see it. Have you gotten your Chubb crunch yet? I have not. Um, you know, it's weird, Chubb. I never had cinnamon toast crunch. I know the whole world loves it. And about a month ago, month ago, two months ago, it came up at home. We ordered some and I had it and it was fine, but I didn't love it. And that's, you know, pretty much what the Chubb cereal is. But I know a lot of people love it. It's got a cool Batman kind of design on the box and it's raising money for a good cause. It's for uh, a yeah. sudden infant death syndrome. And Chubb revealed Thursday that a nephew of his um, died a couple of years ago from that. So that's why it's near and dear to him. The cause. Wow, he is a great dude, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, you ne- you never know if you really know a guy, and he's so quiet, yeah, right, and he's right. so quiet that there's not you're like, yeah, I, I don't know if I can speak to his, you know, total personality, but I'll tell you what, I enjoy talking to him, um, even though he's quiet, I feel like he always gives us something, and because he's thoughtful, what he does give his answers, and I know that everyone in the building loves him. So if you get, you know, 70 guys, players and coaches and with staff raving about a guy, um, that's a great time. And I doubt we're going to see him at all in the preseason. I, I mean, you, no. you had mentioned, yeah, that yeah. most of the guys, OBJ, right. Baker. I mean, yeah, I mean, we haven't even seen OBJ in team drills yet, right? So there's no way he's playing. And he's said before he doesn't even want to play in the preseason ever again. And Chubb. I did not hear the Chubb interview yesterday. They, they had two podiums going, and I was at the other podium with Jedrick Wills. Um, but then I read the transcript, and the way Chubb talked, and, you know, when you just read a transcript, you never know, like, the tone or if you're missing, you know, some nuance to it. But it certainly felt like he was saying he wasn't going to play in the preseason. So, yeah, um, it just – especially at that position, right, you know, you're going to get tackled, all those things. 
that I just don't see the need to play him. But I'd be interested in your take, Judd. Like, I feel like it makes sense to reduce the risk, right? It's all about risk reward. Um, there's people out there that feel like, hey, you got to get these guys up to speed. You got to have them get tackled and make tackles before the opener. You know, I think Belichick played some of his starters. I think Andy Reid in Kansas City played some of his starters. Tom Brady even played a few snaps, I want to say, in Tampa. I don't, he's not going to play this week, I don't think. But um, so, I, you know, I, there's different opinions on this. What's yours? Are you okay with pretty much your main guys that aren't rookies or second year guys? Are you okay with them sitting all preseason? Yeah, it's funny. I used to be of thought that you needed to have these guys get some reps in and not just be cold going right into game one, but then the pandemic hit and listen, they didn't have preseason football last year. And, you know, look, I, I think everything went well. And I, I just pre let's, at the end of the day, preseason football sucks. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah. I will, I, here's what I would do. I would get rid of, and I'm glad they're down to three games. I would, I would get it down to two games. I don't think you can completely abandon it because you don't know for sure how a lot of the younger guys are, and you still have to figure out how to mold and, and fill out your roster. And there's a lot of things that these young players need to do. And I don't think it's smart necessarily to throw them right into the fire. So I would probably agree with you that maybe play them for a series in that last game, but ultimately I'd wipe it out to two games uh, your starters maybe play a series or none at all and just see how the young guys, because I think it helps for the coaches to, you know, get in the, back in the routine. Yep. And then that yep. first game, maybe you don't feel that pressure of, Hey, we haven't done this in a year. So I think there's some, you know, validity to it, but at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, most, especially that, you know, how it was in that fourth game when you right. had four games, Nobody played, and most of those guys weren't even going to make the roster. No, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And, and I think the two weeks between Atlanta and the regular season means, you know, you can play – you can have the guys at the bottom of the roster competing for spots. They can play. You know, if a guy pulls a hamstring, two weeks go by before the regular season. Like, there's a little more of a window there than there had been in the previous preseason schedules. But – I agree with you. Three games is probably still too many. Um, I've come around to, especially where the Browns are, right? If they were a young team like Jacksonville or even maybe Cincinnati, you know, where you're trying to build something and build a culture, um, I'd say, okay, maybe they, maybe our guys need to play. But when you're the Browns coming off 11 and five with expectations of going to the Super Bowl, continuity on offense, it just doesn't feel necessary to me. And I think you're right about last year's lack of a preseason, proving things to some coaches and some organizations that maybe it's not as crucial as once thought. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, to me, the only, the only question with the Browns is, is it worth playing guys, whatever, 10, 15, 20 snaps against Atlanta? And my only thought is, and if they do, that's fine. Like I don't have a, you know, I don't have a huge problem if they say, Hey, we want to get these guys, the speed goes up a little bit. Let's get them a little bit used to the quote unquote game speed. But how much does those 10, 15, 20 reps in Atlanta carry over two weeks later? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what you're weighing is okay. Getting them that a little bit of experience. Is it worth 
a guy coming free and hitting Baker? Is it worth the chance for somebody to roll into Jedrick Will's leg and he's got a high ankle sprain like he did in the playoff game against the Chiefs? And he said it took him two months to rehab. Like, those are the things you have to weigh. And I know you can get hurt anytime. You can get hurt in practice. We saw it to Jacob Phillips. But I, I just think you want to reduce the chances of injury and the chances of injury are higher in a preseason setting. So that that's where I come down. And I think the Browns agree with that. Um, but we won't, we don't know for sure yet um, if they'll play against the giants, but I feel comfortable. They won't. And then we, for sure, I, I don't think Stefanski is going to announce today that he's not going to play guys at all in the preseason, but who knows if we talk to Baker today, maybe Baker reveal that. Yeah, and you look at like a like quarterback of the Bears, Fields, former Buckeye, right? right I mean, right. a guy like that, you know, needs to get out and get some reps, and you, you need to find out how your rookies are. But at the same time, it's like, well, what kind of defenses are they really facing? It's not like they're you know, going up against, uh, you know, first-team studs that are, are going to show you blitz packages and different coverages. So the preseason is just a tricky thing in general. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, I know this because I, I, I used to do the sidelines yeah. for the Browns preseason games yeah. when they were on Channel 3. And I, I got to be a part of the production meetings with the head coaches. So I learned a lot. Those, oh, man, I'll tell you, Scott, those are very interesting to be a part of because it's funny how much you learn in those meetings and what and what the coaches don't say to the media and what they do say in those meetings. It's incredible. It really is. I'll, it's It's kind of like, wow. Like you right. literally just told us that, but you find out in those meetings, how much guys are going to play. They, and they'll tell you every time the bottom line is we got to get out healthy. That's their main thing, you know, get reps and, and, and get out of there healthy. That's the coach's biggest nightmare in preseason. Sure. Sure. We should get We should get into those meetings down the road sometime, but real quick, who is the best coach to deal with in those meetings? Oh, Wow. Uh, well, there was a lot of them. <laughs> I know. That's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. Um, the worst was Mangini. He would give nothing. And then I couldn't even get an interview at Mangini during halftime or uh, <laughs> it, it, it was incredible. I had to sit and listen to um, the he would talk to one of the PR members of the Browns and he would give the Browns like one quote and I'd have to over, I'd have to listen in on it and write it real fast if I wanted any nuggets. And that was during the live broadcast. So Mangini was definitely uh, the worst as far as that goes. Shermer gave you everything. It was like, you sat there and he's like telling you, all right, this guy's going to play eight plays. This guy's going to play into the second quarter. Uh, this guy's not playing like, you know, but here's the problem. You couldn't say anything, right? you, you right. know, when, when you walked out of those meetings, I, you couldn't like tweet it or let anyone know. Otherwise, I mean, you'd, you'd be, you'd be gone and never allowed back in. Plus it's just, it's just the way it goes in the business. Right. Right. But it's, that's the way, that's why a lot of the national announcers, when you watch them on, you know, ESPN, Fox, CBS, wherever they sound so knowledgeable a lot of times because like they go to these production meetings and the coaches will tell them a lot more then they'll tell your everyday media that, that they, you talk to during the week. And, you know, not that these guys don't do their homework, don't get me right. wrong, but like they'll, they'll know a play is coming or something's coming because they get to watch practice. They get to go into these production meetings. So it's definitely interesting, but Shermer was always good about that. Uh, let's see who else was there. Chud. I, I can't, I'd have to, re- I'd have to really get my thinking cap on. Uh, yeah. so, so let me, think, let me think about that and get back to you. But I, 
I'm trying who else was there? Romeo I had. Uh, who are some other coaches? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, was, what, were you Patton, did we do that for Patton still? Oh, Patton was good. Yeah, yeah Patton yeah. was good. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's it's incredible watching these coaches, though. And that's why um, I heard someone say, and I can't remember who it was, they thought Stefanski looks like he's in great shape, like he's been working out. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed that, but, he, like, he looks like he looks good. And I laughed when I heard that because these coaches, man, especially Chud, he was the big one, man, from week one until week 17. I mean, he, you could just see the stress on his face and he did not look healthy by the end of the year. These guys, there's a lot, especially in Berea, trying to turn that thing around. Right. I mean, these coaches, these coaches, man, they, they wore it on their uh, chest. Well, I feel like that Chud. By the, by the time we get to the end of the season, I've put on even more weight. It's worn me down. (laughs) Um, It's funny going down that coaching memory lane. Um, yeah, I always love Pat Shermer. Uh, you know, I know things didn't work out here, but it's it's fun to hear you say that. And when you brought up Romeo, I had Romeo was in a dream I had last night. I don't remember what, but whoa, Romeo what? was in a dream last night. I know it's crazy. It's like starting <laughs> to come back to me. It was a bunch of people in college, but some for some reason Romeo was there. And I have no idea why that is, but maybe because he coached for the Giants. I don't know. I don't know why Romeo was in my dream, but he was. Um, that is bizarre it is they can tell the tv guy stuff because they're not worried about it getting out ahead of the game right i mean they're just telling you during the broadcast it's not like the other team's gonna have any inside info you know as opposed to telling us in the news conference yeah right because because the idea is that they're gonna tell these guys and they're not gonna say anything until the game's actually going on so it's not like you can prepare for it but they do it is funny i mean i i didn't realize that until I got to sit in these meetings and, uh, you know, you could ask me like, Hey, uh, you ran that play in practice. Is that something that you're going to do in the game? And, and some coaches would be like, yeah, I mean, that's something that we're working on. And I was kind of blown away by it because yeah. as you know, unfortunately, it, and it makes your job and all the beat writers jobs hard. You got to really dig to get stuff because they just, they don't tell you anything. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to read between the lines a lot of times right. and make, guess i mean you know i mean i'm not right i mean, you I mean even <laughs> even the stuff like even the stuff that we get to see at practice not for training camp because that's open to the public but during the season um you know you get to watch bits of practice and friday you usually get to watch more practice if you saw a trick play you're you're not we're not allowed to write about it or talk about it when there's certain yeah. formations and lineup things that we're just you know it's in the browns kind of waiver you sign kind of thing they're the media policies that you can't talk about so you know, I don't know if it sounds like sometimes we don't know. It's not that we don't know everything. It's sometimes you're not allowed to divulge it. And then the guys on TV can because the game's being played. Um, yeah, it, it's funny real quick. I was just thinking, obviously, now I, you know, I do the morning news and you know, I'll still do sports here and there, but I'm now a morning anchor guy. But when I was doing sports on the weekends, I don't know if you ever remember because you'd come in and do the Sunday show with me all the time. Yeah. I had a, a couple of things on my desk and one of them was all of the head coaches since 2007 when I started at Channel 3. And it's unbelievable how long that list got. Oh, yeah. But you literally had to make that list so you could remember every coach and it would remind you of all of the you know, down years and, oh yeah, this guy. And then that guy, and no, this guy was supposed to turn it around. And, you know, I, right. you know, all those press conferences go, they come in there and they're like, <laughs> you know, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You need it. One of the guys on the beat, Daryl Ryder, 92, three, the fan has a spreadsheet with all the uh, 
coaches, GMs, quarterbacks, and the quarterback's a big one, right? Because there's 30 of them. Um, wow, right. And it's so that, that's really handy to have. Um, Joe, before we get out of here, there's two things I wanted to hit. And I'll, I'll go, you know, it's not super negative, but we'll go negative first and then finish on the highlights from the Giants practice yesterday. Um, but, you know, and I don't want to be too negative, but we're talking about injuries and concerns, right? What, what are some possible areas of worry? And I, I think we should talk about defensive end because Jadavion Clowney is not – or Miles Garrett has not practiced in almost two weeks with a hamstring injury. I've seen him run around. I don't have any worry about Miles Garrett being ready for week one. I think this is just a training camp thing. He could play if he needed to play, and I think he's going to have an outstanding season. In fact, yesterday, I don't know if people saw this or not, you know, they, he was working on the side and they have the, the one like apparatus where you pull down really hard, you know, and it's, it's an upper body thing. You know, you have the stationary bike and then you have this thing where you sit and you pull down on these ropes kind of things. And he pulled down so hard that he broke it. The machine no totally. longer worked. Yeah. That's just miles being wow. miles. But anyway, wow. so I think he'll be fine. Jadavion Clowney is working on the side. So he's probably fine. The bronze won't even say what's bothering him. Um, but you know, it's two weeks now that Jadavion Clowney has not practiced either. And for a guy that has an injury history, um, you just wonder what's bothering him. Um, he talked about when he's healthy, he has fun. You know, that's the last time we talked to him. And then I'm not sure he's practiced since, or if he has, it hasn't been often. So the Browns are relying on him. So he needs to be ready week one, which you would think he needs to practice at least some more. Um, I know there's still three weeks left, so it's not panic button, but it's still a little worrisome when you see a guy you sign as a free agent, he's not practicing. And then Tech McKinley, the number three end, is AWOL, right? He left for personal reasons. Um, the Browns aren't providing updates. It's just when those are resolved, he'll be back. Um, the hope is still by week one, but I don't think there's any certainty to that. So all of a sudden you're seeing a lot of Port Augustine and Joe Jackson and Curtis Weaver and Cameron Malvo and end. And you have to pay attention to that. That's one thing we're going to have to watch again against the giants today in practice, but then Sunday in the game is how these backup ends do because I was worried about the depth anyway. And you had three guys you kind of trusted. Um, now you have two, if you're including Clowney who given his injury history, you know, or you expect to at least miss some time. So it's really miles clowny and then a bunch of question marks given McKinley's absence. Um, so and it's just, when you talk about big picture, okay, where are you worried about? Where might the Browns need to find reinforcements? Um, I keep an eye, I keep an eye on that end spot because pass rush is so important. And you talk about, you know, freeing up miles Garrett, you need a guy on the other side to at least be a threat. And Clowney certainly is a threat. I think McKinley to a lesser level is a threat, but I'm not ready to put Port Augustine or Joe Jackson into that category yet. So, you know, could that be a spot where the Browns bring in a guy after roster cuts? Maybe, um, depending on just how much they like this group of guys that I've, you know, talked about, Gustin and Jackson and Weaver and Malvo. Um, but I, I just think that's an area to keep an eye on given um, really the uncertainty with McKinley and, and to a much lesser degree, 
Clowney, who I think is fine, and I expect him to be there week one. Um, I just like to see him practice. I just like to see him, to see him be healthy enough to practice leading up to week one. Yeah, no doubt. We've talked a lot on this pod. I mean, over the weeks about that exact thing. So uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Now, you had mentioned earlier you had talked with uh, Jedrick Wills. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, he was it was part of a group interview, but he was it was really good um, interview and conversation. I'm hoping to, you know, we got the Giants here and a bunch of news today. So I, I probably won't write it until early next week. But, you know, he's a guy that is expecting to take a big jump in year two, you know, talked about the transition from right tackle to left tackle a year ago. You know, he said, it's, you grow up your whole life right-handed. And then one day somebody, you wake up and somebody says, Nope, you got to be left-handed. And I thought he did an admirable job, especially given the circumstances of no in-person off-season program, no preseason. I thought he handles himself well at left tackle. I think there's room for improvement. And he said the same thing. He said, I think he said the quote was something like, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish as a rookie, but I expect even bigger things now. And he goes, when I go back and watch my rookie film, it looks like trash compared to where I am now. So you're looking at a guy who was probably the fifth best lineman. Not probably. He was the fifth best lineman a year ago. And I still think he's really good. And I think there's room for huge growth. And that's why the Browns have the best offensive line in the league, right? And he feels responsibility to live up to that, to live up to the performances of Joe Batonio and J.C. Treader and Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin. And, and I think when you feel that as a young guy, it's only going to elevate your game. And you have Bill Callahan as your coach. So, uh, you know, I think Wills is going to have a big year, and that just bodes well for the entire offense, right? If he's protecting Baker's blind side, and the offensive line is doing what it does in the run game, then you're talking about an offense that can be a top top five offense. I mean, I don't think that's crazy to say that. And it does start up front. And if you solidify that left tackle position, that just means so much. So you had mentioned you had two things, one kind of negative, or at least that's, you know, we, we're, we're keeping our eyes on that. And then you yeah. had one positive you wanted to uh, throw in there. Yeah, I, I, let's just finish up with the highlights from that Giants practice, right? And it was more intense. The Browns, we've talked about getting the week one healthy, and, and that's been the overriding philosophy. Not that there hasn't been hitting, not that there hasn't been intensity, but there's been a lot of installs in the training camp practices and a lot of drills done at not full speed, and that's to teach, and that's to keep guys healthy and to get them ready. So when you see the Giants come in, there is a noticeable bump in intensity, and that's fun as a writer, right? Because you get it's just more fun to watch practice, and there's less dead time. You know, there's dead times in these training camp practices. There really weren't yesterday. It felt like something was always going on. And, in fact, with no fans there, I was up in the bleachers for a good chunk of it because you could see both fields the near field and the far field you could see the action going on both because on one field it was number one offense versus number one defense and the other field it was you know Giants number one offense versus Browns number one defense um so it, it was fun to watch at practice I expect more of the same today but the some of the highlights were tight end David Njoku went up and made three catches that were really good catches 
in coverage, and they were all on kind of corner routes. One was over former teammate Jabril Peppers, and then actually two of them, and then one was over the other safety, Xavier McKinney. And he showed, Njoku showed the leaping ability that he's known for and good hands. And he's been inconsistent through his career, right? That's the one big knock on um, Njoku is inconsistency catching the ball. And you didn't see it yesterday. I don't know, I think he had one drop. But on these plays, he, he showed really strong hands. And I think that's a great sign. Jarvis Landry practices hard every day. Practiced even harder yesterday. Made a one-handed catch. Kept making plays in the two minutes. Really put a nifty move on a guy to pick up extra yardage um, before Richard Higgins caught kind of like a desperation play for the touchdown on the final play. Greg Newsom, the rookie, ends practice with an interception in the two minute drill, um, which which is huge, right? I mean, it's probably it's only practice, but it's the biggest play of practice. He makes it. He almost made a diving interception earlier in a team drill. He continues to look like the guy you thought he would be. Um, I thought he played well in that Jaguars game. Greedy Williams made a really nice pass breakup deep down the field, and it felt like a Greedy's back kind of moment, right? We, you know, we know Greedy missed all of last year with that shoulder injury. I think it took him a while in camp to knock off some rust, and that was a really good play that his teammates appreciated. And then, you know, you watch the run game, and you know the run game is going to be good with Chubb and Hunt in that line. But sometimes it's hard to tell if a guy would be tackled near the line of scrimmage because nobody's tackled, right? It's just kind of thudded up and you tag the guy. But yesterday it felt like maybe it's because it was a different colored jersey or a different team. And it felt like you could tell that these runs the Browns were using were working and that they were going for chunk gains. And a lot of it was to the left side behind, you know, Treader, Batonio, and Wills. And that just stood out. Those are like the highlights for the Browns perspective for me from that first practice. And there were, there were a lot of highlights and there was a lot to like, and it was a fun practice. That's great to hear. Cause you know, as we've talked before, it wasn't always that way. So to hear right. that another team comes in and the Browns dominate, that that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to see. And I'm looking forward to watching another one today. I think there's gonna be a lot of red zone drills. Um, Maybe not as long. I think the practice was two hours yesterday, and the Browns haven't been really going quite to the full two hours, and they might dial it back a little bit today. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. You know, there were some reunions. Jabril Peppers, I mentioned, was talking some smack with Baker Mayfield. Um, Good-natured, you know, again, he said, oh, you can't see over the line. And Baker said, I'm completing 80% of my passes. Um, Freddie Kitchens, right? Freddie Kitchens is back. He's down <laughs> with the Giants. Um Obviously, from the Giants' perspective, it's a lot about Odell, who didn't practice, um, but was hugging, you know, guys from the organization. I don't know if Odell will practice today. If he does, maybe it'll only be individuals. I doubt that the Browns will put him in team drills, but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, but a, a lot to take in. And, you know, really kind of the peak of training camp is these two practices. You know, and then once, once it ends with the preseason game Sunday, you know, yeah, there's one more preseason game, but – you know, then the focus really shifts to, you know, getting ready for that Chiefs week one. So, yeah, plenty of time one thing I want. Yeah, go one ahead. thing I want to make one thing I want to make clear, though, back to our preseason talk. I do not like when guys miss all of camp and then they just expect to go out there and, you know, uh, get it done. That is one thing I will say. You know what I mean? When a guy yeah. just sits out. Yeah, I, I think you got 
you, you know, you got to get out there and practice. No, I agree with you, but I, I think Odell's an exception because he's coming off the ACL, right? They're just trying to be really cautious with him. And you watch him, he runs around every day uh, or just about every day in individuals and looks really good, right? Like looks explosive. He's going through the installs. He's in the walkthroughs. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, he's I think, out there. yeah, I think whether it's next week or the following week, we're going to see him back in team drills for at least two weeks, I would think, before week one. And I just think he's so gifted that he'll be fine when he gets to week one. But I get your overall point. You can't just take training camp off and show up week one. I, I definitely give you that. So, What's going to be more exciting Sunday, the game or the tailgating? Yeah, it would be the tailgating. It's, an, it's a one o'clock <laughs> game, which is weird for the preseason. You know, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's time to get all the stories done. You're not fighting deadline, which you often are in the preseason. Um, but, yeah, you know. We're not going to see Saquon Barkley, um, you know, but we'll see Greg Newsom again, I would expect, JOK again. I mean, there's plenty to watch those roster battles, um, especially the, to me, the biggest roster battles are across that D-line, D-end and D-tackle. Who's going to win some of these backup spots? Um, I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, if you're a fan, I think that's where I would focus. I'd focus on the rookies um, and, and the D-line. I, I really would. Yeah, but, you know, 1 o'clock, we're not going to see the starters. But still worth watching, I think. You know, maybe record it and fast-forward it if you don't want to uh, – if you want to go play golf instead of devoting three hours on a Sunday afternoon. Hey, uh, I got my fantasy draft this weekend. Uh, usually we have it over Labor Day, but scheduling conflicts. I hate having it this early. But right. uh, any, anyone uh, – I know you're a fantasy guy. Anyone <laughs> who, who's, who's like your top two or three guys you got to have in fantasy? Oof. That's the tough. We are ours is next Tuesday. I want to say, um, you know, I, I I like Darren Waller, and that's not a secret anymore. But I loved him last year, and we drafted him, and he was huge for us. Um, you know, I think he's going to go super high, but I do I, I like him a lot. Um, God, it's tough, Chud. How high do you take the receiver out of Minnesota? Right? Is it Justin Jefferson? Second year yeah. guy, you know, I keep seeing a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz about him. Um, you know, we play in a league with, they give a lot of points to quarterbacks. So, you know, it's, a, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out which quarterbacks I want to take, but you know, it's fun. I, to be honest, I need to do some more research before we get to Tuesday. Yeah. Well, let me know. I can, yeah. uh, I'll, th I'll throw you some of the research I've done. Cause like I said, I got to get going on Saturday. I, my keeper's Josh Allen. So I, I kept him. We do an auction league. It's so much fun. If anyone's out there, auction league is the way to go. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I've never done it like that. But I will. I'll, I'm, I'm going to send you a, uh, I got to send you an email. I want all your, I want all your research because I have not had time to do much. So. Yeah, I'll send it your way. Not, <laughs> but then don't blame me when you end up in last. Right? Of course not. Maybe on here, but. You know. <laughs> right. Cool. No doubt. Hey, this was great, Chud. I'm glad you're back from vacation. Glad you're dealing with our hope. All that stuff you're dealing with is done. And man, we had a lot to talk about, and I got a feeling that's going to be the case for the next, uh, whatever, four or five months or so. Thanks for joining me, Chud, and we'll do this next week. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast.